From TLDR News, this is your daily briefing for Thursday the 26th of January 2023. Good afternoon. In today's Spotlight story, we run through the advances made by Russia in Ukraine. This isn't the only thing happening in the world though, so we'll run through three of today's other important stories. And in our exclusive Nebula section, we explain the sanctions on the founder of the Wagner Group. But first, how is Russia currently doing in Ukraine? Over the last few days, the Russian army has continued to make minor advances. Having made advances in northern Donbass around Bakhmut earlier this month, taking the towns of Solodar and Klitschivka, the Russians have now apparently refocused their efforts on southern Donbass and Zaporizhia, where they've made incremental but non-trivial gains. In southern Donbass, the Russians have apparently entered the town of Volodar, a tiny town roughly 30 kilometers from Donetsk city. It's not clear what the strategic value of the settlement is, but it's still not good news for the Ukrainians that the Russians are making progress in the area. In Zaporizhia, Russian forces have made minor gains around the town of Kramiansk, another tiny village that sits on the bank of the Dnipro. Russian forces have also reached the outskirts of Orykiv, a city which acts as a logistical hub for Ukrainian forces in Zaporizhia. While neither effort has made much progress, if the Russians were to take Orykiv, this would be pretty bad news for the Ukrainians and could presage an attack on Zaporizhia city. As always, it's important to stress the paucity of these gains. The Russians have only captured a few tiny towns, and the three larger and more strategically significant settlements we've just mentioned, Volodar, Kramiansk, and Orykiv, are still under Ukrainian control. Similarly, while they've had success around Bakhmut, it doesn't look like the Russians have even tried to enter the city yet. It's also worth saying that, while the Russians might be making some gains, this may well be because the Ukrainians are holding back important resources and reserves for another offensive. And this is a short-term cost Ukrainian high command are happy to bear. This seems plausible, given what the Ukrainian government has said recently about retaking territory and the fact the Ukrainians are so focused on stuff like tanks, which are generally intended for offensive manoeuvres. Nonetheless, it's something for the Ukrainian high command to keep an eye on, especially in Zaporizhia, where Russia has been amassing troops for some time now. Okay, so that's the biggest story of the day, but there's a lot more going on around the world. So here's a rundown of three other stories. This morning, it was reported that nine Palestinians have been killed in an Israeli raid in the West Bank, specifically in Jenin. About this situation, the Palestinian health minister warned that the situation between Israel and Palestine was crucial. She additionally said that a children's ward of a hospital had been hit with tear gas. She described the situation as dire and the paramedics are struggling to reach the wounded amid the fighting. Tensions in the West Bank have risen recently following what the Israeli military calls a counter-terrorism offensive. So far this year, 29 Palestinians have been killed by Israeli forces in the West Bank. In total, last year, more than 150 Palestinians were killed. US Secretary of State Antony Blinken is due to visit the region in the coming days and will likely push for steps that will improve the lives of Palestinians. 
There's more on the way, but be sure to subscribe and ring the bell to make the daily briefing part of your daily routine. Or just search for us on your podcast app to listen along. Greece's Conservative government faces a no-confidence vote on Friday as pressure continues to ramp up on Prime Minister Kyriakos Mitsotakis over the country's wiretapping scandal. Leftist opposition leader and former Prime Minister Alexis Tsipras accused the government of presiding over an Orwellian dystopia and the deepest deviation from rule of law that the country has seen in its modern history. Greek politics have been rocked by the scandal since last August, when the Prime Minister revealed that the leader of Greece's third largest party had had his phone tapped by the intelligence services. Prime Minister Mitsotakis stressed that the surveillance was unknown to him and his government, and the incident led to the resignation of the intelligence chief and the Prime Minister's general secretary. In Parliament this week, Tsipras revealed the names of other targets listed in a report by the country's Independent Communications and Privacy Authority. Those allegedly targeted include the Labour Minister, the former head of the army and other military officials. Greek prosecutors are still investigating a whole load of claims of wiretapping of other politicians and public figures. The no-confidence motion is likely to fail, given the ruling New Democrat Party has a majority in Greece's 300-seat parliament and leads in polls for the upcoming election. The Pope has recently criticised laws that criminalise homosexuality as unjust, with him saying that God loves all his children as they are. He said this during an interview on Tuesday, in which he said, being a homosexual isn't a crime. He did, however, refer to the issue in terms of sin. He raised the issue, at least in part, to highlight that there were Catholic bishops who support legislation that discriminate against members of the LGBTQ community. He said that they likely believe in this sort of legislation because of their cultural background and that they need to undergo a process of change. Specifically, he said that they should apply tenderness, please, as God has for each of us. And finally today, scientists from the Pacific Northwest National Laboratory have unveiled the least costly carbon capture system to date. The system captures CO2 and converts it into methanol, which is one of the world's most widely used chemicals. The conversion system brings the cost to capture CO2 down to about $39 per metric tonne. And methanol can be used as a fuel or a solvent and is a key ingredient in plastics, paint, construction materials and more. So the researchers hope that converting the CO2 into a useful substance will encourage industrial entities to capture and repurpose their carbon. That's all we have time for on YouTube, but if you want to see our discussion of the sanctions on the founder of the Wagner Group, then watch the extended ad-free edition of The Daily Briefing over on Nebula. Now might be the time to do it, as there's an offer which gets you a year of membership for less than $1 a month. That's huge because Nebula subscribers not only get everything you've already watched ad-free, but also an extended edition of the show every single day, available to watch on Nebula or stream on your podcast app of choice. They also get access to a ton of other exclusive ad-free TLDR content, as well as videos from all your favourite creators. The good news is, like I mentioned, our friends at CuriosityStream, the streaming service which offers you some of the world's best documentaries, is offering an incredible deal whereby you can get both platforms, CuriosityStream and Nebula, for less than $12 a year. 
That's all the documentaries you could want on CuriosityStream, and then more TLDR content on Nebula, including the extended briefing, other full exclusive TLDR videos, and it's always ad-free. Click the link below to get both services for less than a dollar a month, a deal which doesn't last long, and support the channel.